2: Alex Tipping Pitch's mascot, Alex Rodriguez, laid down a challenge for us this week on Twitter. Have you seen this?
3: I did actually see this. I th- are you talking about like the El Presidente challenge or whatever it was? Yeah, in the um, Heights it- movie, El Presidente Sponsor Challenge. Right. I watched it and then it completely left my mind. So I don't remember what the challenge actually is.
2: Right. Neither do I. Same exact thing happened to me. And I refused to watch the video before this podcast because I'm going to play it right now for you, me, and the Tipping pitches listeners.
0: Listen up, the new film In the Heights is finally hitting theaters and HBO Max on June 11th. And guess what? With Presidente, you could win $96,000, just like in the movie. Yes, $96,000. Think about that. You could be your own boss, you can pay off debt, or even buy your dream home. For a chance to win, upload a photo to Instagram or Twitter showing me how $96,000 would change your life. Tag and follow in the Heights, movie and Presidente USA. Let's go. You could be the lucky one.
3: What are we submitting? First of all, I just want to say Alex Rodriguez has no idea what a home costs to buy. My dream home? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, maybe, Alex, maybe... um he thinks that you won't be a coastal elite and try to buy a dream home in New York City, you snob. That's Why don't you true. move to the Midwest and buy a dream home? $96,000 is plenty for you to buy a dream home in the Midwest. At least for the down payment.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, I, that's fair. That's fair. You you know, you put my, my place. He should run for a New York
2: City mayor thinking that you can buy your dream home for $96,000. <laughs> Somehow we always bring up local politics in the first five minutes of this podcast
3: yeah especially when like arod is involved, there's something about him having his hand in all these different buckets where like local politics is just kind of not out of the realm of like influence life
2: who do you wait? uh you want to talk about who you're going to vote for New York City mayor? Have you made your mind up yet? I know there's a lot of terrible candidates.
3: Jesus Christ, I really don't want to talk about it. I don't know i there's no. No, we're not. No one's earned their vote yet.
2: (laughs) Just no one has knocked on the door and really earned it yet. Uh, No. Okay. What are we submitting for the 96 G's, bro? Think about how much good we could do with an influx of $96,000 into the LLC, into the t-shirt empire, as Bradford William Davis alluded to on Twitter this past week.
3: I just want to say, I think the last thing that podcasters need is for people to just be handing them money. Like, podcasters don't need $96,000.
2: Wait a second. Okay, wait a second. That's true of some of the upper echelon podcasters, but for little small indie guys like you and I, think what $96,000 could do for us. We could become, like, the fourth biggest baseball podcast in the world
3: instead of, like, the 12th. (laughs) I mean, yeah. No, I or we could probably go to a Yankees game and get a hot dog and a beer and just have a great time, Mm -hmm. you know? One game. That's all that's going to get us.
2: After taxes, I mean, we might (laughs) also have to cover up some of it out of our own pocket. You still haven't answered the question. How are we going to submit how $96,000 will change our life and business? You know he's going to choose someone who has like a small business too. So we already have a leg up on the competition.
3: True. Right. We have an established LLC. We're somewhat well-versed in tax law. Third straight pod
2: talking about tax law. (laughs)
3: I I have I I'm having I'm having trouble coming up with this with an answer for this. In and you're part, having trouble because, answering
2: one of my questions to start the yeah, podcast. Wow, right? Okay. Was, Everybody what at surprise, home is very comfortable. Right? Yeah, <laughs>
3: it's right back to the old games. In part, just because I I can't really like ninety six thousand dollars is obviously like a very real amount of money, but like I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do with that like. I'll probably do what he said. Pay off my student debt. Yeah. That's boring as shit though. No one's gonna win a contest for being like, I wanna be out of poverty. <laughs> hey, Rod.
2: Um no, clearly what we have to do is we have to send him uh like a pitch deck with how we wanna grow our business. But then that that's those are proprietary that's that's proprietary information. We can't just let that out into the public. I mean, we I have know special trade secrets about how we're going to grow the t-shirt empire
3: yeah i mean honestly what we should do is put together a deck of like what nfts we're going to invest in you Right. Know, what sort of like crypto we think is gonna bounce back did you see the reporting that a-rod wants to move
2: the timberwolves to seattle no do you do you remember that a-rod was the owner of the timberwolves <laughs> vaguely <laughs> okay things are going well here uh we're going to talk about unfortunately sticky substances uh we're going to talk about bob brindley we're going to do three of three down we'll also sprinkle in some voicemails but before we get to all of that i am bobby wagner i'm alex basely and you are listening to tipping pitches Alex, here in my notes, I have Foreign Substances Chat XOXO written and no other notes about what
3: I want to say. Because it's all been (laughs) said. We said a lot of it last week. 17 People have been saying it over and over on Twitter.
2: We said it before the season started. We said it when they decided they wanted to enforce their rules more, which is such a bullshit statement. But this past week, really, the only thing that happened news-wise in the larger baseball tipping pitches universe where we critique institutions for an hour and a half on a podcast every week, uh, was that MLB, there was this weird article in the athletic where MLB sort of delineated some of the things that they want to do to help enforce the sticky substance rule, uh, the foreign substance rule that they claim is out of hand. Uh, no pun intended. Um, You cleverly pointed out on Twitter that uh, MLB didn't really own up to any of the responsibility here. Here's what the league, here's what leaked out of the meetings about how the league is going to help to uh, quell this issue of pitchers using foreign substances to get better spin rate and movement on their pitches. And I'm reading from the athletic article now. Place a greater responsibility on teams to enforce rules against doctoring the ball within their own club, empower umpires to check especially caps, gloves, and uniforms, if there are clear signs of illegal substances on a pitcher. Stepping up enforcement in the minor leagues as a way to address a systemic problem within the sport. Alex, uh, anybody else they want to blame? Like, can you... Is there a way also, that you and buddy, I can and help me, stop this problem? Right, as yeah. viewers
3: at home, call the hotline if you see a sticky substance on a pitcher's glove. Which I want to, I want to point out, it's like getting so blatant. I just want to say there were like multiple videos on Twitter this week of people being like, "Hey, look at this pitcher! Very obviously wiping at something black on the inside of their glove and then going directly to the ball. Like they're not even hiding it." Name anymore. the
2: pitcher, Alex. It's your boy. It's you, Darvish against the Mets. That was the one this
3: week. Come on, yeah. To own true. up to it it's it's true it also was um pitch on the indians it looks like karen jack oh you hate to see it you do hate to see it that's a mm, bummer that's yeah. a ha- big couldn't happen to a better guy you know right yeah interesting that that that's the the foreign substance he'll he'll use do you right? think that that was nazi approved pine tar or, <laughs> or is it just normal
2: pine tar <laughs> no 5g chips in that huh how long can we keep it going? No, uh, it's just an incredible deflection of blame by Major League Baseball here, um, and nothing new. You know, many I'm not. We're not the first people to point out that this is very reminiscent of how they handled the steroid situation. We're yet we're so early into this scandal, if you can call it that. That I'm not sure if it's going to have the magnitude of the steroid situation, but we're talking about mismanagement at the level that people are starting to bring up late 90s, early 2000s steroids baseball, which actually legitimately drove fans away uh, in large numbers. So, you know, you and I were discussing before we started recording the podcast that we're just sick of talking about this already, but it's almost like irresponsible not to talk about it because it's it's they've allowed it to become one of the largest stories in baseball this year. Yeah. And of course there are... There are accelerants in this equation, namely a guy that I can't name before 45, the 45-minute 45 mark of this podcast. But there are other pitchers who have been known to be... who have been using foreign substances for years, and it's been an open secret. So, I don't know what... <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking and let you start talking because <laughs> I don't know what the hell to say about this.
3: Really, truly. Well, I don't really either, right? Like, this is a problem that... Like, the, the blame falls squarely on the institution of Major League Baseball for <laughs> condoning this sort of thing for years. This was this was the logical endpoint, right? And now that everyone's talking about it and everyone can see spin rates, and especially with, you know, pitchers just having these goofy-ass pitches that they're throwing these days, they feel like they have to do something and obviously their their answer to that is not to is not to draw any sort of hard line and say this is what you can use this is what you can't use as you suggested last week you know here is a here's an approved substance that you can use to get a better grip on the ball that maybe won't you know allow you to throw these bugs bunny pitches um it's this like piecemeal like think tanked to yes. the to death Yes. answer of like oh well if we address it at point you know b and point f and point g or whatever like that'll that'll crack down that that'll be the thing that lets players know that this isn't okay and and yeah. ultimately that's not gonna be the case what's gonna happen is you're gonna have individual players who get scapegoated for this sort of thing that's already the case right that was what happened with giovanni gallegos last week it's just going to keep happening. They're just going to keep blaming individual players in hopes that they'll make an example and have people learn. Which it's not going to happen, bro. Like,
2: that's such an interesting thread to pull on. I love the the way you phrased it. Think tanked to death because it really is. It does like reek of game theory. The way that they're handling this, they're like, well, if we wait and then we see how the public reacts, and then we let public sentiment change to a certain amount, and then we leak these things, and then. Like you said, at point F, we, we announced that we've absolved ourselves of responsibility in all of this situation, which is what just happened in The Athletic. It's just very think tanky. It is just so, and you know, I said this last week, but like, they're just not existing in the real world. Like they, they don't understand that we already know and they don't understand that we're already blaming MLB. They're doing everything they can to make it seem like it's not MLB's fault. But they've already lost that public fight, so they need to just act swiftly,
3: which they're completely incapable of doing. They have proven time and time again that when it comes to matters surrounding ethics within the game, that they really have no clear interest in actually taking a stance, right, in coming down hard on any one side. You can look at unwritten rules, which have festered, and you can look at racism in the booth, which has festered, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You can look at the Astros. All of these, everything that comes out of it just shows that they have no real understanding of actually where they want to draw the line because they're too afraid of pissing off one party or another. And and this is the one that really boggles me boggles my mind because I don't really understand like what the what the issue is here. Like what who are you going to offend by are they, they be holding to the, the pitcher lobby? Like what for right, Like <laughs> I I think that you know, it doesn't in- exist
2: at this interesting nexus point because Yeah, you don't want to piss off your superstar pitchers, whatever. That's fine. I understand it. You should have acted in the offseason and given them months to prepare to throw without fucking glue on their hands. But now that you've procrastinated too long, I understand that just all of a sudden starting to suspend pitchers in the middle of the season might start to look vindictive and weird given your laissez-faire attitude towards it up until this point. And then you would have the union up your back. You'd be like, why are you suspending all these players without pay? It would be a whole thing. I understand that. Now, let me reiterate, that is their fault that it's gotten to this point. But also, they have a gigantic problem festering in the, in the game right now with contact, with hitting, with offense being worse than ever. And in theory, this is something that could make offense better. If pitchers can't use glue on their hands, use pintar, whatever they're using, these concocted recipes to throw, like you said, Bugs Bunny pitches, that maybe hitters might be able to hit them a little more often? And you're solving two problems there. You're killing two birds with one stone. Now, is is the fear that if you try to address a scandal midseason, that that will turn fans off in the middle of the season and you can't Friday news dump it in December? Maybe. And I guess that that is always the fear that Major League Baseball is looking to address. That you'll you'll somehow harm viewership. You'll somehow minimize these very tenuous relationships with RSNs, regional sports networks. And if your viewership is lower for one year, that might harm your ability to negotiate good deals and keep that cash flowing the way that they've organized their economic system. Because like, the future of baseball depends on people watching it on TV. You and I have lamented that You know for years here on this podcast that they've they've not invested in the future of baseball in any other way than holding on to whatever vestige of cable TV viewer that is left out there. But that's the reality of it for them. So if they're worried that like they start suspending pitchers left and right and everybody's just completely turned off from the situation is like this is not a real season anymore. I guess that's their fear. But like again maybe take some fault, maybe take some responsibility in that instead of just being like, I don't know what to do, man. Teams, you just got to figure this shit out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's worth like reiterating that in the steroids era, it was not the steroids themselves that were turning people off, right? People enjoyed, people loved the product. Massive dingers. It was, at least from my perspective, MLBs, handling of it that implicated a lot of star players and really just allowed this kind of mess to spread i mean you know i that's not to say i think there wasn't an issue with any of the the you know kind of rampant use of hgh or what have you but it was worse pr for them to come out and say here are you know dozens hundreds of players who are cheating right now. Right. Like that itself was the was the black mark on the on the game and not necessarily the fact that they were actually cheating. Like I I know the Mitchell report. I don't I don't really remember a lot of the guys who were in there. I remember some of my faves. Miguel Tajada in there. Ooh. tough beat. Money ball Moneyball er, erased
2: Moneyball legend <laughs> Miguel Tahado. <Literally. laughs> uh You know, that's an interesting point because I think of like the worst era of my baseball fandom as the era where like MLB was aggressively testing and making it seem like an international crime. Anytime someone tested positive for steroids, like honestly, I'm very thankful that we're not 10 years older so that we were not on the air or doing a podcast or whatever, whenever all that shit was going on with Ryan Braun. The fact that, like, I would have felt compelled to speak about that and have an opinion about, like, (laughs) who was morally right in that situation seems like actually hell. So, I'm a little conflicted because, like, I don't necessarily think the answer is just suspend all the pitchers. But right now, like, that is MLB's tool (laughs) to whip out. Like, they're just like, what we can do is we can either take no responsibility or we can suspend all the pitchers, one or the other. And... That's where I think that, like, it starts to become reminiscent of the steroids era for me. Mm -hmm. Because, like, they don't don't know what to do otherwise. And I just keep coming back to this idea of, like, you wouldn't feel as bad suspending half the good starting pitchers in the league if you had not let it get to the point where half the good starting pitchers in the league are using substances and relying on them.
3: Right. Again, it's like (laughs) all these quote-unquote open secrets. It's like, well, then maybe we should maybe we should talk about them before they get to this point, right? Like the idea that it's like an open secret that like everyone uses one of these things. Well then like, let's fucking have a conversation about that rather than just kind of letting it widely be known for years and years that pitchers are doing this. Which ultimately at the end of the day, like I think we've determined you and I don't necessarily have a have a problem if with pitchers wanting to get a better grip on the ball or anything like that. Pitchers no. generally obviously are in favor of it. Batters generally seem to be in favor of it in part because it helps their control. And also I would assume in part because it helps their own pitchers as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they know that everyone is benefiting from this. Yeah. So, but they're just, you know, they're incapable of actually owning up to any sort of institutional failure. Right. And, but it seems like what's changed in, this season or in the last couple of years
2: depending on how long it's been like this there was a, a piece in the athletic that was written about how bad it's gotten when like opposing teams are starting to feel like pitchers are crossing lines because you know a guy will get his first major league hit they'll ask for the ball the ball will come back it'll be covered in something sticky and you're just like how did you even get this much stuff on the ball it's 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 over a line but that would lead me to believe that baseball as a whole, has a line, and it got crossed, and now baseball as a whole needs to come up with a solution to fix that. And I say that because that means the commissioner knows that there was a line because now they're coming out and they're having meetings about it, but they just let it get to that line. That's that's what I'm so frustrated about. You let exactly. it go past the line. Like you had one job here with this problem, which was don't let it get so bad that it's completely a mess out of hand that everybody is talking about on their fucking podcast. And they failed. They failed. As they often do, they failed. To think proactively about the future of the game and whether something was become, going to become a big enough problem that it was going to turn people off. You know, it's not lost on me how other leagues handle scandals. I think that the NFL is just as bad, if not exponentially worse, about covering up scandals. But they just have such a share of the public already that it doesn't matter. Their their method is power through, throughout everything. It's just to, you know condemn and move on, as succession would say. Condemn and move on. And in the NBA, they want to appear like the forward-thinking, socially conscious league. So they really very much try to meet problems at the head, and that applies to like something as serious as player protest. You know players not wanting to play games during the protest last summer. Um, You know, the ways that the NBA has sort of like co-opted the Black Lives Matter movement for PR. But then there's also, I think back to the summer of 2015 and it was reported that the NBA was like, we don't want players using HGH anymore. And I, I know that this was reported and I know that this was rumored because there was a lot of people that were like, you know, LeBron dropped 30 pounds that summer and he just wants to be thinner for to play faster for the rest of his career. I was like, mm. And a lot of people insinuated that LeBron had been taking HGH or whatever. A bunch of players had been taking HGH. And the way that if you were to read the tea leaves or, con- you know, cons- think in a conspiratorial way, you would think the NBA sent a serious memo to the league and they were like, we're going to start suspending players next year if you don't stop this. And then there, was like an out. then there was like a couple suspensions for PEDs the next year, but none of the major stars. Probably because they sent this memo. And then a version of that memo leaked. And that's why I know about it in 2021. Does, does MLB just not know how to do that? Did they just only send bullshit memos that they don't know how to enforce? Because you and I discussed the memo where they said, hey, we're going to start enforcing this rule more this year. And now they're not. <laughs> so <laughs> what's the answer here, Rob? Like, do you, do you have power to fix a problem or do you not? Right. The
3: players called their bluff, right? They said, okay, suspend us. Do it. And that's really, like, that is the, that's the point that we're at right now, right? Where you have pitchers openly flaunting this, right? Maybe one pitcher in particular. But like it's it's obviously it's very obvious as you know as we said earlier like you can see it in games you can it is very clear so I don't know it's time for the league to put up or shut up right yeah you said you're going to start spending players I, like I don't want them to do that that's not the way that this is gonna that's not gonna end well I don't want you just to spend the entire Dodgers rotation I wouldn't mind it. It'd be okay. There are a couple guys in there. I'm okay with them going down. They might only but win like, 98 games instead uh-huh. of
2: 107.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about another problem that MLB has let get well out of hand, which is yeah. um, the broadcasters that they employ saying racist things on the air. Uh, Let's talk about Bob Brenly and what he said this past week uh, during Marcus Stroman's start against the Diamondbacks. Brenly is the color commentator... For the Diamondbacks, he, I, I don't, under, I didn't understand it when he said it. I don't understand it now. I'll just play it for the listeners.
1: Pretty sure that's the same do rag that Tom Seaver used to wear when he pitched for the Mets.
2: It was so, it was so out of the blue that I was like trying to understand where his head was at in terms of coded language. Like, but it turns out that Bob Brindley has a has a history of um, bad takes about. So does he? About players? That he does. Uh here's a here's a video that our friend Bradford William Davis shared of Bob Brenly talking about the game's biggest star, Fernando Tatis Jr. Might <laughs> be easier to run the bases if he
1: didn't have that bike chain around his neck. got to weigh him down,
4: doesn't it?
2: <laughs> what do we do about this, Alex? Here's, here's an example of where you can just suspend or fire all of the people who are like this.
3: Yes, exactly. My favorite Brenly take is the one where he just openly advocated on a broadcast last year that, you know, you should be able to throw at hitters. You should, bean balls are actually good. Of course you can hit batters. It's, that's part of the sport. What else? What else are you going to do? Not hit them? Anyway,
2: this just this keeps happening. You can set your baseball calendar to this happening. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people brought up the Tom Brenneman thing. I think that this is a different situation than that, because, you know, Brenneman didn't realize he was on air. And Bren Lee felt like this was something that he should say mid broadcast, which which means that he thinks that this is the version of baseball that people want to hear. Mm -hmm. Brenneman's thing was just like hateful but not related to baseball. (laughs) And Brenly's thing is hateful within the context of the game. And that's why when I see something like this, it's just so frustrating because I wish these people would just leave because clearly they've lost the version of baseball that they want. They've lost the battle. You know, this like clean, respectable whitewashed version of the game that they think it should be it's gone and then we get these these fault lines we get these tension points where they're showing their ass on that front at like multiple times a year and I just don't understand what the upside the value is to keeping these guys around for an organization like the Diamondbacks like just fire this guy don't renew his contract whatever it takes it's it's now like multiple years in a row that he's done something stupid like this
3: Right, and he took a decided to take a one week leave of absence. Just take a week off. You think right? he's gonna read some, some books? Watch the racism off you. Yeah. It should be how to be an anti racist. Right. I've learned and reflected a lot. I no longer have a racist bone in my body. I did have a little one in my pinky, but I had it surgically removed and so we're 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 all good there now. Did you see John Duplantier's response to this? He is the pitcher on the Diamondbacks, and he, after his start, uh, came out and addressed this in a really courageous way, especially for a guy who is, I think, not a not a
0: star at all. Were you able? To, did you see this? Stick with me here, because from my viewpoint, growing up where I did in the suburbs, um, playing baseball as a black man in America, as a black kid in America, um, there has been a a lot of pressure for me to show up authentically as myself um, while walking the tightrope of, of remaining acceptable and appealing to society and people who may be making important decisions regarding my future. Um, there's been a lot of progress in that regards personally I've, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm grown now. And if there's something that in my heart, I feel like I want to do and be myself, and this is who I'm going to be, then I'm going to do it. Um, Marcus Stroman has been the epitome of, of showing up authentically as himself. Uh, and he's been a role model, not only for me and a bunch of other players in this league, but for a bunch of young men across the country who battle and will continue to battle with the same battles that I have growing up and shoot to this day. So the link
3: to the, to the full video is in the description. I highly encourage everyone watch it. Because I think he speaking from experience, you know, he puts it, I think better than you or I could. And I think that the point that he makes near the beginning of that, right, of of, towing that line between being authentic and being respect- respectable around people who make decisions about his career is a really important one, right? Because, and that's why I, you know, I applaud him so, so much for, for coming out and saying this when he, you know, I, I don't believe he was directly asked about this. He made a choice. As someone who is like, a fringe baseball player. Yeah. As a, as a guy who's not like a, not a star to, to really like put himself out there and, you know, set himself up for, for backlash in, in that way. Yeah. I think it, I think it takes a, it takes a lot for, for him to do that. And I, you know, what do you do, man? Yeah. Get these, get these fuckers out of here.
2: I know. I, I think that there is like, There's a tendency when things like this happen to for like people who are middle of the road baseball fans like he politics out of sports baseball fans to just be like uh, it was one comment guy made a mistake guy apologized whether he gets fired or whether he gets put on leave doesn't matter to me. Let's just move on. But there's just something about this comment and the way that he said it the person that he brought up being Tom Seaver who is like a he's like a Mets legend. He just died last year. There's something so deep-seated about wanting to say that about drawing a comparison between a guy pitching now for the Mets to a franchise icon who we just lost, who everybody universally agrees is the best pitcher in the organization's history and then being like inherently being like Marcus Stroman is never going to be like that because he's black and he wears a do rag. Like, that. that's what you're implying by saying that. And so, you know, do I think that these guys are stupid, inconsiderate, and have zero empathy? Yes. But do I also think that this is a
3: bigger, more deeply rooted problem? Yeah, I do. Right. Again, when you talk about MLB letting a problem fester, right, and get to a point, it's like, We're at this point, guys. Should we start examining who's in the broadcast booths? Maybe like proactively, so this kind of thing doesn't happen on an annual basis. Maybe should we have more like non-white men in broadcast booths? Probably. Maybe it's fucking about time.
2: Yeah, the broadcast booths are such an interesting litmus test too, because like these guys stick around for so long too. So so baseball is like an old boys club. And the two areas where you get the least turnover and therefore the largest gap between what's acceptable and what used to be acceptable are in the broadcast booth because you can basically broadcast till you die. And then in the coaching and management staffs, because you can be 70 and a manager or you could be 78 and a manager. And so... As we get younger and younger players in, and they are dictating how the game is changing more and more, I think we're just going to continue to get these flashpoints between old baseball and new baseball, and and whether that's like blatantly racist, like in the case of Brenly, or whether it's unwritten rules discourse, which is coded racism most of the time as well. I just think that I just think that more needs to be done proactively for it. Um. Okay, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll do a few
3: voicemails.
0: I'm so tired, or maybe just bored. I can't really tell the difference whenever I'm talking to you, and I know
4: that... Hello, so uh, my name is Jake, and I'm calling about actually, um, one, there is not a team located in your state. How do people decide what team to be a fan of? I'm coming at this from the point of view of, I got into baseball in college. I went to college um, at University of North Carolina, Asheville. And so my introduction to baseball was actually the Asheville Tourists. And I have been watching MLB games, but I don't really have a team, simply because my two closest teams would be the Nationals, and I just morally cannot cheer for a D.C. team, I'm sorry, and the Braves. And I'm going to be honest, the Braves are nowhere near as bad as um, the Cleveland baseball team, or, you know, like the Washington football team, whose name I didn't even say before because, you know, the name is a racial slur, when it comes to that sort of imagery. But I'm still not a fan of some of the imagery associated with the Braves. So they are not have to be a good team. Just, I like the narrative. I like a likable group of dudes. I find myself drawn to the Padres, but they're on the West Coast, and I'm on the East Coast. That doesn't really work. Um, a friend of mine getting into baseball right now, and it's like, oh, how about the Orioles? And I'm like, I don't know what I think about that, because I know nothing about those guys. Um, I have a few friends who are Rockies fans, and I considered the Rockies, because they were the tourists, you know, MLB club. And then the tourists went and changed their affiliation, which I'm glad they have an affiliation, period. But it changed the Astros, And I'm like, I can't really do that, I don't think. But. How do I, someone who doesn't have a clear-cut answer as to what MLB team I should get into, decide on a team? I've been watching games for a few seasons now. I just don't have a team for me. Sorry this is such a long way to ask a simple question. I don't know how to answer things shortly. I'm very
2: verbose. Thank you. So this right here, Alex, this is one of the harder conundrums to solve in baseball. If you didn't grow up with a team, because so much of baseball, right, is steeped in, oh, I went through this as a childhood. The nostalgia of rooting for, you know, Tom Glavin in 2002 is the reason that I stick it out with David Peterson, right? But
3: <laughs> how's that going for you, by
2: the way? <laughs> it's not going so hot. Um, uh, turns out everybody in my life makes fun of me for thinking that David Peterson is good, <laughs> including my mom. Um, <laughs> but it is a hard question to answer. And, I think that within the context of this voicemail, there are a couple good options. Okay, so you you've named the Padres. They're great fun. But if you're on the East Coast, it's hard for that to be your team unless you're a night person. That's yeah. that's totally fair. You know, I'm out here on the West Coast, so I can kind of adopt them and the A's as my West Coast teams. I think that the better option there was the Orioles, who Jake named, uh because you can get in while the t- tickets are still cheap, so to speak. <laughs> they're very bad on the um, ground floor. And they're about to be really good. You know, in three years, they might be one of the better teams in baseball because they got a lot of prospects coming up. Adley Rutchman is going to be the best catcher in baseball in five years. So I think that there are a couple different ways to think about this. You can either just choose a team that has players that you like right now, and that's the Padres, and maybe you watch them. Whenever they're on the East Coast or whenever you happen to be up, uh, and they don't that doesn't have to be your A one team. And then the other way to think about it is like you like you said, you have friends who are fans of another team and it can become a sort of communal thing. You know, that's why I'm wearing an A shirt right now is because I like watching the A's with you and talking about Aww. them. I have such I have such fond memories of us sitting in our first apartment together with MLB TV on and as the Mets were coming to a close and losing by five runs, we switch over to the A's game in the first or second inning. And that's that's what being a baseball fan is all about. So my recommendation is go with a team that you can root for along with
3: someone that you already have a connection with. That's a, that's a great answer. It was better than anything I was going to come up with. <laughs> uh, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, Just don't root for the Yankees. That's right, the short exactly. version of that
2: answer,
3: right? Exactly. Anyone yeah, but the Yankees. You can you can kind of like go down the list, right, and rule out. Okay, uh, racist teams, no. Um, DC teams, no. <laughs> Evil Empire teams. That now officially includes the Dodgers. By the way, right? Exactly. Maybe maybe teams with racist fan bases out the door. Right. So so don't root for any of the teams. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> And then you have a list of probably a you know a half dozen teams, six eight teams, and from there I think, I mean, as you mentioned, if there's a communal aspect to it, if you can find a way to share a team with someone, I think that's great. Yeah, I think you can also you know watch a game or two of each of the teams and say which one has players that actually like resonate with me. If I was just watching baseball teams, like you know, yeah, like if you started, a free like, agent fan, starting from scratch. Like, Dang. who would I go to? It would probably be like the Marlins or some shit. Like, yeah. again, if I knew nothing about <laughs> how th- their inability to actually run a baseball team, and I just like watched a baseball game, oh it would be the God, Marlins because Shots that team, Derek Cheater. T- sorry, man, he's got a six part dot coming out on him, so he'll. By our by our good friend uh, Randy Wilkins, so he'll be he'll be okay, I think. Big um, congratulations to Randy, well deserved. So yeah, happy for him. Big, big fact, but like the Marlins are an extremely fun team, you know, and they have kind of dope threads too. I think that's a factor that cannot be missed. Is like, yeah, h- rule out a team that that has just like that's color scheme is some combination of red, white, and blue. You know, yeah.
2: mm-hmm. out Great the door, call. Great call. Nope. Yep. Bye. Sorry. No, uh, that's a great call. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Orioles because their colors are black and orange, which is my high school's colors. Right. That's nice. That's good. So a, a good reason to just drop the Mets and root for the Orioles, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm a Mets fan. This is the last thing I'll say on this. and Then we need to move on to another voicemail. I'm a Mets fan. I was born in Washington. I grew up in Philadelphia. I never lived in the state of New York until I went to college. But my mom's whole family is from there. And so they just passed them down to me. So the communal aspect of it really doesn't have to be locational. Like it doesn't have to be literally you have to be there. It can just be something that you share with someone that you care about. And maybe the, someone that you care about is Fernando Tatis Jr. In which case, Godspeed, I love that for you. And I love that for me. And I love that for all of baseball. No matter what Bob Brenley has to say about The chain that he wears around his neck. (laughs) Uh, Okay, let's go on to our next voicemail. All right. uh, Hi, Tipping Pitches. Um,
1: I am a huge fan, and I have a weird thing that happened uh, to my roommate yesterday. He attended the second game of the Cubs-Dodgers doubleheader at Wrigley Field, a fun game in which uh, (laughs) Javi Javi Baez hit a beautiful walk-off. Not a walk-off. A game-tying hit, and uh, the Cubs walked it off. Great game. Uh, all of that excitement happened in the eighth and ninth inning, which, uh, given that this game was a doubleheader, uh, part of a doubleheader, was scheduled to be a seven-inning game. Now, it lasted nine innings. <clears throat> I saw a fun saying that Javi Baez now has uh, home runs in extra innings in the following innings. 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, and 8th extra innings are all situations in which he's hit home runs. Weird. Uh, that being said, my roommate was at this game, and because he is not a huge baseball fan, did not know about the seven inning for doubleheaders rule, thought he'd seen a complete game. Uh, Thought he'd seen a regular nine-inning doubleheader game in which the Cubs won in dramatic fashion. Uh, what is wrong with MLB that in their stadiums, or maybe it's just Wrigley Field, but I feel like this is a league-wide publicity issue that they've made these fundamental changes to the game, and people who you know maybe not don't follow baseball super closely, but like baseball enough to go to a game with their friends, uh, don't know the rules. What is the problem here? Uh, is it just Rab- Rob Manfred not taking his job seriously enough? Uh, is it uh, the Ricketts and Wrigley Field and the Cubs not... Uh, communicating during the game that this is a double header and therefore it should be seven innings and uh, the eighth inning is extras. I, I just feel like these people missed out on a, an experience, the people being the attendees of the game, uh, to, to really get what, what's going on. Like, I, it's weird. He found this out hours later. It's weird. I am very angry at MLB and, uh, um, the rickets suck. Uh, as a Cubs fan, I just also want to say that Cubs fan and Cubs fans in Wrigleyville also is very problematic. So, um, thanks, guys. I, I really love the show. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to your response. Bye.
3: I will. I will. I. I know you have. You have something you want to say, so I'll let you um, jump in. But I. I want to say thank you for this question because I had never like thought about it in these t- terms before. You know, I I think I said this in uh, in the off season or around the beginning of the season, where it was like, yeah, we're getting to the point where I, a seasoned baseball fan, am still a little unclear on what some of the rules are, and overall, that is pretty bad PR for your league, right? And it strikes me as this is the kind of thing that can maybe be resolved if Rob Manfred just like walked up to a baseball stadium to like fans tailgating outside the stadium and said, Hey, I have some rule changes. Can I run them by you real quick? Because if the fans of your sport are like, that's fucking stupid. a vlog series. Don't give that away. <laughs> we could do that under tipping pitches media. We absolutely could. You know, but like if, if the fans of the sport are like, no, I actually genuinely don't really get this and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to remember it. That's you maybe need to do some, some internal reflection there.
2: That's true. I'll, I, I agree with everything you said, but I'll, I'll identify the systemic problem that I think can help this specific instance. I think that baseball has a problem, an accessibility problem for new fans and an accessibility problem for casual fans. Like, I think that the NBA has less of a problem with that because if you watch LeBron dunk, it's fucking cool. And, like, you don't need to know all of the rules necessarily. Just know that you're not allowed to hit a person while they're shooting. And know that if you make it from inside the arc, it's two points. And outside the arc, it's three points. That's pretty simple. It, it works. It functions like all other sports. And there's two goals. And you're both trying to score. You know? And one team's trying to stop the other team. And baseball, there's a, like, there's a ton of rules. There's a ton of rules. Don't even get me started. I don't even know what a fucking balk is anymore. Because I watch a lot of baseball, Alex. I watch a ton of baseball games. And... Frequently, I'm like, isn't that a balk based on like how it was taught to me in the little league or like in middle school? And they just keep going. And I'm like, sure. But then sometimes they call a balk and they're so certain about it. And I was like, I don't. that didn't really look any different to me. So I think that baseball has a serious accessibility problem where people are like inconvenienced by talking about the rules. You know, they're like, if we just made it where you put the rule up on the screen sometimes when it's relevant for the fan who might not understand what's going on. I think that would help a lot of people who feel like they can't engage with it because they don't know exactly what's going on. Just put more stuff up there in layman's terms. Like when the seventh inning rolls around literally put a message up on the big ass board that you spent $50 million on that says this is now the final inning because of this rule change that we instituted <laughs> in this offseason. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. No, like, no, I'm, I'm yeah. serious. Like That would help a lot of people. And that would help uh this caller's friend to understand the stakes of what Javi Baez did
3: a little bit better. Yeah, I think that this is like really systemic. Obviously, th- like this is a a symptom of baseball's inability to actually communicate with its fans, right? And like you said. Um you can I mean this conversation applies to Statistics too, yes, right? If yes, you're a new yes. if you're a new baseball fan, how the hell do you figure out like what statistics W-R-C-plus actually is. actually mean and what are important? And you're gonna come in and have you know half the stadium saying wins are the the thing that defines how good a pitcher is, and the other half saying, you know, shut up, I'm calculating win probability or whatever, <laughs> you know, as the tweet goes. Yeah. Um Oh, I got really nerdy about the Reds put isolated
2: power on their big board. But like, they don't put an explainer for what isolated power is. It
3: just says ISO up there. Right. Yeah, this is the one. (laughs) ISO is so funny. It's just like, we subtracted one stat from another stat. So here's here's that stat. This shit is fire. There's another stat where we add two stats together.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that baseball just needs to take itself a little less seriously. on, On all fronts and on this front, especially you shouldn't have to pass a test to watch a baseball game.
3: And as it stands now, you, you kind of do. You kind of do to appreciate it to its fullest extent. Right. But I think this is the end result of, again, like we talked about, that really like technocratic, think-tanked to death approach to baseball that Rob Manfred takes, where it's like, yes, technically this might be the product you're looking for, but if your consumers don't really know how to consume it, then... Or appreciate it, right? Or if appreciate it, What you're it, exactly. doing is
2: shortening the game for the fan, and they don't even understand that it's shortened. Yeah. There's no there's no there's nothing being accomplished. Yep. Okay. Final voicemail.
5: Hey, what's up guys? This is Adam from Oakland. I'm not calling in to talk about how shitty John Fisher is, but he is shitty. Uh today I want to talk about something that's a little bit nearer and dearer to my heart. Jersey prices. Have you guys seen how much a fucking jersey costs these days? Four hundred and sixty five bucks is the top end of the spectrum. It's it's absurd. Who has four hundred and sixty five dollars to drop on a jersey? It's nuts. It's not even one that has a player's name on it or something like that. The most expensive one on Fanatics right now, uh, I mean, there's a few that are all similarly priced, but it's a put-your-own-name-on-the-back-of-the-Jersey Brewer's jersey. That's nuts. That's nuts. I scrolled through the entire site, and I looked to see just what the variance between the jersey prices were, and that in and of itself is another crazy proposition. How is a, how's a Brewer's jersey $100 more expensive than an A's jersey? It's the exact same amount of material. It's the exact same amount of stitching. I just don't get it. Like, isn't the isn't the benefit of having a single sponsorship that all the prices are the same and predictable? It doesn't make any sense. I am blown away uh, at the increasing prices for these things. It's just nuts. Like, if you want to grow your sport and you want to have awesome throwbacks out there and really pimp that shit on TV like they always do – you gotta make that shit accessible. It's crazy. Uh I guess I'll finish by asking a question. Uh in your guys' mind, what's the appropriate price for an authentic jersey? Uh thanks.
2: That's what I want to hear. Everybody mad <laughs> <laughs> talking about <laughs> supply and demand. Let's get we gotta get Alex talking about basic economics. Lay Hell it out yeah. for us, Alex.
3: Jerseys. This is our this is our corner. Yeah.
2: I think that um, all jerseys should be free. We've already made that a stated position. If you're a baseball fan, they should mail you a jersey like on your 18th birthday.
3: That would be amazing. Um, of your amazing. choice. They, yeah. You would get so many more fans that way. Yeah. I think... <laughs>
2: Universal basic jerseys.
3: Yep. Yep. And well, and, uh, you know, listeners of the not show... A bad idea. Like, I actually... No, legitimately, that would be a pretty cool way to drum up fandom. Yeah. No, I know. Which is why they're not going to do it. Um... Listeners of this show will know that, like you and i have have come down on on opposite sides of of jerseys and and jerseys, and a large part of my sticking point with jerseys is the fact that like I'm not trying to drop two hundred bucks on one sorry, yeah. um that's not to mention that I'm an a s fan, which means it's obsolete in like a couple years. you know that player's no longer on the team, yeah. So, yeah, first of all, I want to say, can Ace fans get like a discount on the jersey? You know, there's something I... really psychological about you hating jerseys, but we're not, we don't have time to get into that. <laughs> and I'm not your therapist. <laughs> I think jerseys are dope as hell. And they are a really interesting part of like pop culture, you know, um, in yeah. a similar way that like basketball jerseys do, which are like, you know, bona fide fashion statements when some people wear them and are like yeah. the the kinds of things that, you know, scrawny white boys can walk around feeling good about themselves, right? And showing their sun's out, guns out, right? I don't just really keep, know what I'm, I'm saying. I'm loving this. Just, just keep going. I don't fucking know. Um but what is the appropriate amount for a jersey? Like, I I don't First know the of production all, cost. I want to
2: say the production yeah. cost is probably like $30. Yeah. I want to say if you drop $475 for a Brewer's jersey and you show up to the game and you're also wearing baseball pants, they might just put you at shortstop, you know? They might just put you at second base at this point. <laughs> um, I think the appropriate price for a jersey is, I'm trying not to turn myself into it's one banana, Michael, but if you want one of the, like, you know, the, so they have, there's two different versions of jerseys that you can buy. There's like the replica style where it looks normal when you wear it as a human being on the street, normal-ish, or when you wear it to a baseball game. And then there is like the on-field style where there's like the breathable part where you're supposed to tuck it in. And like uh, that one, okay, you can charge $100 for that. You can charge $150 for that. That's like, if you want to wear that, you're trying to prove something. Exactly. And that's fine. I don't get you prove whatever you want to prove. That's okay. We don't we're not gonna shame you for that here on Tipping Pitches. Alex might, I won't. The replica style, I think it's gotta be like seventy-five bucks. Like Yeah, like max. Yeah. Like you could get away with selling it for 75 bucks at the team store, but then online and, you know, at Dick's Sporting Goods and, you know wherever else you can buy a jersey these days (laughs) you can tell i haven't been out in the real world much in the last calendar year i think it should be like i don't know 65 yeah minimum wage is fucking 725 i shouldn't have to work for a week to buy a jersey Mm -hmm. so i don't know but again we could make alex explain supply and demand again if you want i don't think that's why this caller called in i don't think that's why adam called in But it is a really good question because a jersey also functions as marketing for your sport. Totally, yeah. (laughs) When you wear a jersey, someone sees it and is like, oh, that looks really cool. It brings brand awareness to the public. What do you think, 65? Would you you become a jersey guy if it was 65? I probably would would become a jersey guy if they were like 65 bucks. You wouldn't double down and that would make jerseys like
3: 20? I mean, like all... Baseball merch, sports merch in general is just expensive as hell because yeah, you know, the 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 leagues are in cahoots with new era and forty nine and whatever, like you know. Oh my god. I don't know what are the the brand Rawlings, the hour mark of the pod, and Alex is
2: accusing the league of colluding with other markets. <laughs> Yikes. <shit>. Let's go. <laughs> uh should we put jerseys in our store? Do you think that we could provide a good jersey for people?
3: I think we would have a have a dope jersey. Yeah.
2: What would it say? Would it just be our our font tipping pitches across the front?
3: Yeah, we could make it work. What would like our city connect jerseys look like? You know, we talked about the new era, like whatever local like area code hats or whatever, but but the city connect like what is?
2: That's a good question.
3: I don't know. We don't have like an identity. Yeah,
2: <laughs> we really don't. We just borrow famous baseball players as our identity. <laughs> okay. Um, That's fine. Do you want to get to three up, three down? Yes, I do. Okay, me too. Uh, let's start with down this
3: week. What do you think? I'm into it. Okay, what's down first for you? Um. Okay. Speaking of City Connect jerseys, the City Connect jerseys. Oh I'm wow. I'm not going to lie. They're this motherfucker is out here. Let's go.
2: I love it. Why? Which one's
3: do, do you not like? Well, so there are like we've had I think 3 or f- we've had like 4, 4 or 5 come out. They're not all lame. I think the it was a little funny seeing the Boston Red Sox just looked like the UCLA Bruins. I have to admit. Yeah. But it obviously was um in reference to the the marathon, which is hugely important to that city. And I'm not from Boston, so I can't speak much on that. So that's that's fine. I'm this would be I, such whatever. a different podcast if you were from Boston. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so everything everything about it would be different. <laughs> the 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 Marlins one was actually pretty tight as well. Um, I loved the the blue and red. That's just you know, arguably the, the only time I think blue and red has actually like looked genuinely beautiful. Maybe not the only time. That's a it's that's insane a statement. This is so know. bold. <laughs> However, the Chicago This guy ones hates did. the
2: flag. This guy hates the flag.
3: <laughs> hey bro, it's in our it's in our uh, tagline, right? What do we sit for? The anthem. <laughs> when do we I'm want like, it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like off the rails right now. Um the Chicago one, maybe it's maybe it's just Chicago designers. I don't oh. know. But like Southside. How many words is it? Pretty sure it's two. (laughs) Pretty sure it's not one word. I'm just going to say it.
2: (laughs) Okay, I wrote Chicago's uh, Southside uniforms in my up this week. So I didn't even plan that. I like them. I think they look cool. Just get over it. Oh, you're mad they didn't put a little space on the jersey? Wow. Wow. Suddenly he cares about jerseys. All of a sudden, out of nowhere. Oh, you care about jerseys now? Would you have liked it better if they were um, City Connect jerseys?
3: <laughs> At least I'd be able to afford one. I'm not going to buy a buy spend 200 bucks on a jersey that misspells the the region me either. That's true.
2: Um I just think they look different. I I mean I'm excited when something looks different on the field. I I liked how they looked. If you didn't like it that's fine. That it's to each their own. Uh I do think that one of the things that hurt the Chicago one is that their regular throwback jerseys are just so nice that like their regular right. you know their alt home uh retro jerseys are such a fun change up even though they are red white and blue which you despise uh that it's like hard to match that on a on a city connect
3: jersey. Mm-hmm. But
2: you know, that's fine. You can put that on your down. I don't care. I'm not mad at you.
3: Yeah, I mean I you know, if you if you like them more, more power to you. I have I have I have no ill will towards that, and I do I respect the fact that they are trying to get creative with their branding. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Chicago, the Cubs ones that came out. Who? The what team? Do you know them? I think I think they're also in the same region. North Side
2: might be what it's called. I'm they have a sure. team there still, or they I thought they got contracted.
3: They look like Mariners jerseys. I think that's they, straight up that's just what they look like. I'm sorry. I like the Mariners jerseys though. I think that they, yeah, they have some. Of the I best do jerseys too, in but baseball. I don't think the Cubs should be wearing them. What if
2: what if we just traded jersey styles for like a week, you know? Like what if the Mets just got the A's jerseys? But so it's like Mets, when you, you know? Like okay, Yeah, like right. you just trade the colorway and the design and the fonts yeah. and everything just for fun, just to just to mix it up. That would be
3: extremely cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm here for it.
2: Another reason that
3: MLB won't do it. Okay. My first uh, down also, this week... Also, also, I just want to say it would make the games completely unwatchable because I would have no fucking who's <laughs> no
2: on what team. I <laughs> already don't know half the guys that are on teams these days. Yeah, They just exactly. cycle through so many players. I barely even know half the guys on the fucking meds with all the injuries. Uh, my first down this week is the, the photo that uh, advocates for minor leaguers tweeted out of the meal that the Oakland Athletics are feeding to their minor leaguers, which... Got Firefest trending on Twitter. That's how bad I genuinely it
3: actually thought like someone had mixed up the photos and they had accidentally treated out the Firefest one. Firefest one looked better because it didn't use like yellow ass American cheese. Yeah. Um. This is not going to be a segment about American cheese
2: uh, versus cheddar, but I just think that it's so like just have an ounce of respect for your employees. You know, like just do one thing that shows that you respect them and then we can progress from there. But at this point, it's like you're, you're paying them poverty wages. You're feeding them bullshit. You're making them travel all around for a very tenuous opportunity to make the majors at one at one point. And it could all be fixed with like a few million dollars. And it's not like a few million dollars coming from Alex Baisley's bank account, even though he can afford it it's a few million dollars coming from fucking John Fisher's bank account. And not even, not even, it would be coming from the Oakland Athletics Bank account, which just happens to have the financial backing of $5.3 billion, which is John
3: Fisher's net worth. Yeah. It's just like, dude. This, um, fittingly, was is my second down. Um, yeah. So the, that's fine. Um, people like to make the argument that like, oh, well, they are... They're basically interns, you know, they, they haven't proven their, their, their their worth yet. And you know what, they, we, they can't get too comfortable, like, cause they have to be able to like show they can grind, you know, and it builds, it thickens their skin. They can grind through the minor leagues and then they get to, you know, get paid the big bucks in the major leagues. But it's like, these guys are not succeeding because of the environment, they are succeeding in spite of the environment. Because there are these, like, artificial roadblocks that are set up for them at every step of the way that would be so easy to remove, right? And we're seeing it happen, right, with the um, Astros providing housing for their minor leaguers. But, like, wouldn't you want your the professional athlete that you are paying in hopes that they will become a star for you to, like, I don't know have every well, opportunity a well-rounded meal maybe i think that helped their development i'm no scout i'll just put it out there i i'm not sure chicken mcnuggets are gonna are gonna really really get it done for those guys chicken mcnuggets would be much better than what they they for the offering yes. i mean
2: it's just like so
3: and you're right that people love
2: making that argument um it's like what value are you providing you know, to pay for your own food. If you think that this is bad, they're giving you food. My, my job didn't give me food. And like, if this is how you think that people should be treated, any people should be treated, no matter the, whether they're an intern, a superstar baseball player, a lowly fringe prospect, no matter what it is, then I think that you have something to examine within yourself. Because like nobody deserves this. We can all do better. And you know who can do better very easily is major league baseball clubs. Yep. Like they're among the things in our society that could easily fix these problems. Most easily fix these problems. So yeah, agree, I think that we should just keep holding them to account anytime that we possibly can. And anytime I can say that John Fisher should go fucking kick rocks, I'm gonna take that opportunity.
3: Oh yeah. All right. I'm gonna kick it back to you. <laughs> right, because that was your second one? Because that was my second one. Yeah. Okay. Um
2: my second down this week is um, it's it's just <laughs> it's Francisco Lindor contract discourse. And this is not a new thing. Um, we're basically at this life cycle in baseball media, fandom, social media, etc. Where the second that someone signs a big contract, there is a flurry of fans who say bad contract. Just instinctively. like Whether they've done personal analysis on the contracted dollars per war or whatever. They just say, bad contract, not worth it, based on gut feel. And then we, we get a you know a small to medium sample size of a guy either performing well or, in Lindor's case, performing poorly. And then you have the next level up in this food chain, where there is media, reporters, higher-level fans of the team who have larger social followings or podcasts or whatever – feeding that feedback loop again by being like, look how bad he's performed or look how good he's performed up until this point. And then you have the original fans coming back into it and eating that shit up just being like, I told you guys I told you guys they shouldn't have given him this big contract. And I'm just I'm tired of it, man. Like we can we can have we just don't have to do this. You know, we don't have to make Lindor answer questions about fans booing him. We don't have to acknowledge those fans at all and give them, you know, more of a platform. We can just ignore it. The guy's going to be here for 11 years. I don't, like, 200 at-bats, no matter how historically significant you might think they are, probably aren't going to be that historically significant to his contract. He's now on a seven-game hitting streak and hitting 400. So, like, does that make it worth it that they paid him? I, no. (laughs) What made it worth it that they paid him and we've said this a trillion times on this podcast, was that he was drastically underpaid for the first six years of his career because of the economic model of Major League Baseball that the owners have set. So the $341 million, granted, it's coming from the Mets, but it's really actually because Cleveland underpaid him. And that's just the way that this market works. And if you don't understand that, you can not understand that, that don't fucking say anything about his contract on Twitter. <laughs> So that we can all just kind of enjoy the baseball, which is why we're here. Exactly. I don't care if well, he's I, getting paid $600 million to play for the Mets. It's not my fucking money.
3: Right. And that's that's the the key point here, I think, is like if you enjoy watching a player like Francisco Lindor, <laughs> then like... That's the I, end. That's, that's the it. end of it. That is That is it. If he's performing poorly and you're disappointed about that, that's fine. Like I want to see him succeed too. And that is... That's it. <laughs> That's the, I wish he was doing better. Doesn't really connect to how he's getting paid. Can you imagine if like I had a bad week at work and my coworkers were like, yeah, his, we knew when we, when he signed that, uh, that agreement, <laughs> that, offer sheet. That, that offer sheet that he was, uh, he was a little overpaid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for
2: sure. I'm going to start doing that to you.
3: Fair yeah this see podcast, if that makes you tougher
2: this, you know see if that sharpens you <laughs> exactly yeah. uh okay, what's your next down your third down right?
3: the last thing down for me um and and this is a quick one it's a it's a real water is wet one uh it came out this past week that the Rays, in negotiation with the city of Tampa over a potential new ballpark um threatened them that uh hey, maybe we'll uh. They will move to Nashville. We'll look at Nashville; it's a potential location. Just you, just you watch. It also came out that they haven't had any conversations with Nashville at all, yeah. right? So it's one of these things where it's like we're just going to say some names. I <laughs> I might well, leave you for this girl that I've never talked to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my uh, I have a girlfriend who's at a. She goes to a different, different school, school though. Different, yeah, so for sure, for sure, so you wouldn't you so you wouldn't know her. She so yeah. would definitely go to the dance with me if you'd say no. So <laughs> I mean, I swear. Trust me, bro. I not not a ton to say on this because it it treads over the exact same ground that we've been going over with the with the A's, the Rays um, and the
2: A's just continue to be interchangeable East Coast, West Coast teams.
3: Yeah, honestly. I all I can say about this is at least they're settling on one city. Rather than the, uh, remember their little Tampa, Montreal plan? They were like, yeah, we'll, yeah, that was we'll just cute. bounce back and forth. Yeah. That was like a light threat. This yeah. is the more like, we'll just threaten you, you know? Yeah, exactly. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> you know,
2: safety's off. We're just going to threaten to move to Nashville.
3: Yeah. With so, Justin you know,
2: Timberlake.
3: <laughs> sucks, but, I, but I, I have to respect it. They're mask off. Uh, okay, I'm just going to go to my third
2: down before we start talking too much about Nashville, a city that I've never been to. Uh, my third down this week is unfortunately for is is an unfortunate week for a friend of the podcast, um, Ross Stripling. Did you see that it came out that Ross Stripling realized he was tip, tipping his pitches this yeah. past week? Yeah. I really wrestled on whether to put this one in up or down. You know? right. Great <laughs> PR, PR for us. Yeah. wow. Ugh. Just Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Stop talking. Great PR for us, Uh but an unfortunate week for Ross. So nothing to say about this other than that. I love it. I love it when a guy tips his pitches.
3: <laughs> yeah. Ross, It's it's got to be tough though. So you're welcome to come on the pod. This is a yeah. safe space for pitch tippers. I landed There's on no down because he's
2: like, He's like cribbing our
3: style a little bit, you know. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. He didn't he thing, didn't man. clear that. Like, he didn't clear the IP with us. Hey dude, you know?
2: like if you wanted to invite to the group chat, you should have asked before you just like got all our numbers and started a new one. Like it's <laughs> okay. <laughs> we might have just added you in. <laughs> okay, let's go to ups. All right. My my first up is already out of the way, so you start.
3: My first up this week. Bobby we're gonna have to reset the sign. It's been zero days since conservatives have melted down about the All-Star game <laughs> being moved out of Atlanta. Yes, the cycle I'm getting continues. my eraser for the whiteboard as we speak. Um the the conservative small business advocacy organization called <laughs> Job Creators Network. Mm, wait, I have Solid. bad news
2: for you. You're not allowed to continue this point because we've taken a loan from them.
3: Oh, that's yeah, you're right. Because he's um, getting cut
2: from the podcast.
3: Filed uh, this past week in a in federal court in New York, that um, demands that Major League Baseball return the game to Atlanta and and pay out a uh, hundred million dollars in damages to local local and state small businesses and one billion dollars in punitive damages. Wow, this this is special. It is special. Yeah. This is what the, uh, Alfredo Ortiz, who is the, who's the president and CEO of the Job Creators Network, said in a statement. And this is, I'm, I'm reading this from the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. MLB robbed the small businesses of Atlanta, many of them minority-owned, of $100 million. And we want the game back where it belongs. This was a knee-jerk, hypocritical, and illegal okay, okay. reaction to misinformation <laughs> about Georgia's new voting law. Which includes voter ID. Major League Baseball itself requests ID at will call ticket windows at this Yankee Stadium in New say. York, Bush is, Stadium in St. Louis. and It's like it taken all straight from the Tucker Carlson the, segment, <laughs> genuinely. And also, like it's it's like okay, so wait, so is this about the businesses or is it about the voter ID law shit that you're pissed off about? Like, it's you about kinda both. Gotta, you kind of got to pick one, guys. No, they don't have to. They
2: don't have to do anything because they've never been asked to do anything that makes any sense in their lives, like. This goes back to, you remember when MLB claimed that they lost like $6 billion in the pandemic? And it's like, you didn't actually lose money. You just didn't make what you were expecting to make in a very positive future outlook for how you thought things might go. Like $100 million. Again, I say, the MLB All-Star game is not a $100 million influx for a city. Because if it was, cities would be fighting way fucking harder for it than than cities were.
3: Right, exactly. The, I think we we really like to overstate baseball and just sports as in general. Its impact on the local economy, which more oftentimes than not is a negative one. Uh, they 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 say that the financial losses from from MLB's action are staggering, citing yes. more than eight thousand canceled hotel reservations. I do I do feel Does bad 8, 000... for the Atlanta chain of Hilton hotels. How Man. will they
2: ever recover
0: from this?
2: <laughs>
3: I'm never going to financially
2: recover from this. <laughs> Hold on. I'm doing some quick math, Alex. One million divided by eight. No, wait. Sorry. What did they claim? A hundred million? That's yeah. what it was? Yeah. Alex, they're claiming that um, I have bad news for you. They're claiming that they cited the 8,000 hotel reservations canceled. First of all, 8,000 people flying in and booking hotels for this? That's, eh, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. It it could be. It could very well be. I don't know. Do 8,000 people fly in in a pandemic for an MLB All-Star game? Uh, that would make each hotel reservation $12,500.
3: So in other words, about the price of an MLB jersey. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good. Good callback. Uh, okay. What is your second up this week? Okay. That
2: th- this that exhausted my ability to talk about baseball this week. I don't have any other topics on my <laughs> up this week that are baseball related. I just, not a lot happened. So I'm just going to talk about, you know, two things in my last week plus that were cool. Uh, and one of the first of those things is that last night, uh, Friday night, we're recording this on Saturday for our listeners. Uh, Last night, I participated in the Faded Comedy LA Drunk Spelling Bee and won. That's right. That's right, Alex. So if you want to go see your boy win a Drunk Spelling Bee, go check out Faded Comedy on Twitch. I don't get a prize for winning other than being able to brag about it on my podcast the next morning.
3: We are all so proud of you. Thank you. We really are. Mm -hmm. Did you watch?
2: Uh Uh-huh.
3: Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: How are you in spelling, Alex? You think you could have win the spelling bee? You're pretty good. I'm
3: a, I'm yeah, a you're pretty, pretty good. good spe- I mean, you know, we got the we got that hashtag editor background, so we gotta we gotta know how to spell. I do think yeah. actually we should we should do a, a baseball themed spelling bee here. You know, like Can baseball s- names or like baseball well, phrases. Either one. I don't know that there are many baseball phrases that are that hard to spell see the ball hit the ball is i think somewhat straightforward um we should i actually think a baseball
2: jeopardy like or a baseball trivia night that we would invite listeners to if enough people would come out and we like ask people to donate that would be fun
3: i think we could put on a live event like that yeah so if you want to see it happen i mean you know
2: let us know if you think that's a good idea. Two, <laughs> two hours into this episode, and if no one does it, then we just won't do we, it. We won't do it. We don't I'll want to waste anyone's time. Delete this podcast. from the back
3: catalog. Okay, what's second up for you, Tyler Glasnow. Oh, yeah, big chess guy. Yeah, did not know this about him. But uh, but you know what he did after, after making a start, Yankee Stadium, the next day, he did what any other major league baseball player who loves chess would do. And that is take a stroll down to Washington Square Park and, uh, and try your hand at the, uh, the little chess matches they got going down there. Anyone who has spent some time in, uh, in or around the Washington Square Park area has probably seen the, the little chess tables and the, and the people who just post up there and, yeah. you know, invite passerby to, To sit down and try their hand. Apparently lose some money. Yeah, lose some money. Get (laughs) swindled. But apparently Tyler is like pretty good. So I heard. Yeah, there was a whole like there was a
2: whole thing on Twitter where like the 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 screenshot that he or the picture that he had posted, it kind of looked like he was weirdly sacrificing his queen in the first move, but then there was a lot of people in the chess community who were like, no, this is a common opening strategy, then you retreat the queen is a whole thing. I was more interested in the photo. Uh, his, his opponent
3: had quite the fit working. Dude was looking nice.
2: Yeah. So if you've seen that picture, you know what I'm talking about. You know, if you know, you know. And if you haven't, then we'll link to it in the description. Um, I was on a work call in a pod prep meeting talking about this exact thing, the Tyler Glasnow thing. And where he's sitting, he takes the photo and in the background is the Washington Square Park Dog park. And I explained that in my college days, I would go and I would grab some bagels and then I would kind of sit there on those benches right next to the dog park and I would eat the bagels and I would feel a little homesick because I didn't get to be around my dogs anymore. And it it was like a sweet thing that I used to do and I enjoyed it and I have fond memories of it. And the people on the call were like, that's the most depressing thing I've ever heard
3: in my life.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, well, you just got a taste of knowing me in college.
3: Yep. Yeah. That's me in college. The most depressing thing you've ever heard in your life. That was like the highlight though, you know, like, yeah, right, it no.
2: was really right. tough for me to hear that. They thought that the highlight of my week was the most depressing thing that they've ever <laughs> heard in their
3: life. I was like, wait till you hear about Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Anyway, Tyler Glassman open invite to come on and teach us I don't know, chess moves. Okay. What is your, what is your final third and final up? this week that has nothing to do with baseball.
2: My third and final up this week which has nothing to do with baseball is I feel like it's worthwhile to talk about the Olivia Rodrigo al- album, Alex. You know, we've Hell spent yeah. when Taylor Swift puts out a new album and we have a pod afterwards, we talk about it because we're big we're big Taylor Swift fans, but the the pop sensation taking over the world right now is Sour, the new Olivia Rodrigo album. What do you think? It's up on my list so so you might know what I think, but I want right. to hear what you have to say about it. It's pretty
3: good. It's got some bangers on there. Yeah. It is insane to me that she is 18. I was not doing anything nearly this good at 18.
2: Turns out. I can confirm that. I met you when you were 18.
3: Yeah. Turns out, uh, growing old is just uh, looking around and being like, fuck, they're doing way better than I was at that age. <laughs> just looks like, sh- looking like shit over here. <laughs> yeah. I was, I mean, I was thinking like,
2: independent of her age like the fact that this is her first album and the like sophistication of instrumentation on the album compared to like when most people's first album when we were growing up would be like oh it you know i was comparing it to taylor swift's first album which is like it has a couple really good songs with really good melodies but instrumentally it's very simple it's like your classic kind of country poppy just a lot of acoustic guitars a lot of simple verses with catchy choruses and that's just like not really the case for sour there's like a lot of you know modulation happening on the vocals there's a lot of electric guitar it's like kind of pop punky at moments and i'm just like i'm i'm into this i like it a lot this is the next chapter in tipping pitches just becoming a a music podcast
3: instead of uh, right exactly first first taylor then olivia yeah i mean you know olivia rodrigo Also, a noted Taylor Swift stan, which means that we, in turn, have to stand Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, there is a Taylor Swift
2: connection here. Yeah. Um, okay. What's your third up? Unless you have more takes about the the Olivia Rodrigo album.
3: Yeah, but we'll we'll do it we'll do it off air. Maybe that'll good for you. Is
2: the best song. It is the best song.
3: It is the best song of it's so good, like (laughs) without a doubt.
2: (laughs) Shout out to all my fucking Paramore heads, by the way. I want everybody listening to Tippy Pitches right now to know that Alex made
3: fun oh of me God. for putting up a Paramore poster in our dorm together. Clearly this really hit a nerve with no, you. No, it
2: really did. You know why? Because I was fucking right. That's why.
3: I was you right. actually like
2: said, like Paramore is like... No, you uh, called them corny. I remember it. You called them corny. And Paramore endured as an iconic vestige of pop punk music from the late aughts and early 2010s. And I just want you to know that I still love you, but I was right.
3: <laughs> I enjoy Paramore. I always have. Uh-huh. This is, I think this is uh, name probably a. Name a Paramore those-
2: song, name one. <laughs> <laughs> This is definitely one of those arguments that I've drummed up bigger in my head than it actually was.
3: Right, exactly. I think what happened was I was like, all right, dude, nice Paramore poster. And just for the next, like, decade, <laughs> you're just f- festering, you know? Each yeah. time you tell the story, it gets a little more, like, uh, embellished. Alex walked into the room, <laughs> punched a hole through Haley Williams's face, and said, Fuck you, poser. And then he put up an Elliot Smith poster in his place. <laughs> this is real music.
2: The posters at our dorm then became Elliot Smith, Neutral Milk Hotel, and um, The Cure.
3: Wow. All good artists.
2: Yeah. Like them all. Yeah. Okay, what's your final up this week?
3: I don't even know anymore. It was... I'm not even going to lie. It was uh, It was Rob Ruff Snyder like, running into the 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 wall um you know losing track of where the warning track was and just face planting <laughs> into the uh center field wall at camden yards and the the grounds crew proceeding to draw a little crime scene around the wall <laughs> yeah yeah that was really good <laughs> that, that was that's it
2: man oh but after i derailed it with my paramour and olivia rodrigo chat you just can't, kind of i'm just you can't I just, wholeheartedly I, give it I, i've thrown you off your game
3: I just you know I'm feeling, a little, a I'm feeling a little taxed right now. I also, we've been in this recording for like two hours. Yeah, I had, have had not nearly enough water today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a struggle, right?
2: Yeah, and I need to eat lunch. So, um, thanks to everybody for listening to this off the rails episode of Tipping Pitches. Uh, if you have opinions about your favorite Paramore song, you know DM us tipping pitches tipping underscore pitches on twitter pod at gmail.com if you want to participate in our voicemails the number is 785-422-5881 you know you could call about things that aren't baseball related you could you could call to talk about your favorite word to spell I don't know
3: (laughs) I don't even care I'm, I'm actually gonna go against that and say please don't do that I'm not I'm not interested Bobby might be but I'm not you can text him baseball or
2: Olivia Rodrigo related calls only. Um, Alex, anything else to leave the people with? Oh, I forgot. Go buy some merch. Uh, Thank you to all the people who tagged us in photos at baseball games with our merch. I'm going to quickly read them off. Um, Bobson. I don't know if that's a real name. Thanks, Bobson. Uh, Kenny, Peter, Alex, and Liz. And of course... Jerry Blevins Mets legend Mets and A's legend Jerry Blevins that's uh, my third
3: up for this week honestly
2: Jerry Blevins tagging us and wearing our shirt yeah that's that was that was a pretty cool moment
3: that is that is everything for us I would I would be loathe to <laughs> keep you the listener here any longer than you absolutely have to so thank you to everyone for tuning into this week's episode of tipping pitches we'll be back next week
0: Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!